Hello, we are now recording. I am Jonathan Dixon. I'm here with Grandma Arta Jean Christensen. Say hello, Grandma. Hello, Grandma. This is a ritual. <laughs> <laughs> it is now. Uh, we're here on the My Family Her Story podcast. It is February 24th, 2021. Our goal here is to preserve in podcast form stories and memories for future generations and to have a good time. Today, we're talking about the love story of grandma's life and how it began with uh, the moment she met grandpa Don Christensen uh, up to the birth of their first child, my mother, Jean. And um, that will be what we're talking about today. So grandma, how did you meet grandpa? Well, we have to we have to back up just a little bit and put some background here about the fact that I had finished my mission and I had gone back to school for two quarters and completed completed my uh, requirements for graduation and then I was Then that put me, that put me uh, out of school in the kind of in the middle of the year in in March, I think is when I when I finished, and I was in my wildest dream. I had hoped that somebody would want a school teacher to start in the middle of the year, but it didn't work out that way. But my dad <clears throat> found me a job working in a business in, in Richfield. This business was my was run by his counselor in the state presidency. It, um, anyway, I, I took this job as a, as a secretary and a bookkeeper for them. And so I was living at home in Sigurd, Utah and working in, working in Richfield. and thinking that it was kind of a quiet life. <laughs> and one day my cousin who'd been on a mission in Finland and, not, and was now home from his mission called me on the phone. And after, after he asked me a few questions and finished the conversation, I said to my mother, he sounded like he was getting ready to ask me on a date. And we both kind of laughed about that. Not quite sure why. Later on, I learned why, because after he had found out my situation, that I was unattached, returned missionary, and, and he, then I, then he, went to his friend who had just recently returned from his mission in, in uh, Finland as well and asked him if he was interested in meeting some new talent, <laughs> the way he phrased it. <laughs> and, and he said, yes, he was interested. And so he said, well, I can set you up on a blind date with my cousin. And she's a return missionary. And I think you two might hit it off. You might enjoy that. So he set this, he set this up with, with Dawn without me knowing about it. And then he called me back and 
really did ask me on a date with his friend. So I thought, I thought that sounded like fun. Not too much else was going on in my life at that time. And I had left Provo where so many of my friends were in, and it was just quiet time at Sigurd, Utah. So anyway, the, the date that he arranged for us to go on was the activity he arranged was for us to go to the high school graduation dance. That sounded like a fun thing to do. Every, every year after graduation, they had a, a graduation dance for the, for the kids in the high school, but people in the community were invited if they wished to come. And so this was going to be the activity that we were gonna participate in with, with Mac and with his date. Well, I got sidetracked right here. I just remembered that Mac passed away about two weeks ago. So that oh, sucks. Wow. <laughs> Put a little, a little thinking about thinking about it right then at that at that moment. But so you're at the dance with uh, Grandpa and Mac and his date. Right. We're at my we're at my house. Mac comes and brings Don to my house and introduces us. And then we go out the door and Mac says, I'm sorry, my date couldn't make it tonight. So you two are on your own. <laughs> So at this point, this is the first time you've seen uh, Grandpa in your whole life, right? Yeah, the first time your, I've seen him. What were your first impressions? Oh, what a handsome guy. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen pictures of Grandpa at that age. He, he was a handsome man. He was. And I, I, felt, I felt very attracted to him right away. And knowing that he was a return missionary, that made him a big impression on me as well because I I'd been home from my mission now by now about getting close to a year not quite a year that I'd been home and I'd been going to school at the BYU and so on so anyway I was re I was ready <laughs> and he was ready it turned out to be a very enjoyable evening. He was talkative and friendly and we just we just hit it off right away. We enjoyed the dance. We enjoyed the just the activity, the sociality, but just getting to know each other was a very a big thrill. It was it was delightful for both of us. He, he told me one time that he had dated over a hundred girls looking for the right one. So I felt like, well, he must have he must have been ready. <laughs> <laughs> if he hadn't found it in a hundred girl, hadn't found her in a hundred girls, why well, it was probably a happy moment for him when when we met. And he said, and he felt like it was. And we we enjoyed enjoyed the evening together. And he took me to get a hamburger. There's a there's a little cafe down in Salina, Utah. And then anyway, he, he took me down there and 
bought me a hamburger and I wasn't used to going out to eat hamburgers and he asked me what I wanted on it and I didn't even know what to suggest. <laughs> it was a new experience for me. But anyway, when, when he took me home, he said, when, when can we get together again? I, I'd like to see you again. And, and uh, I said, anytime you want. <laughs> so you, know, you mentioned before that um, in the last episode that you were, you were somewhat bookish to use your word. Um, how would you describe grandpa at this time? Like what, what adjectives uh, would you use for him? Because I only ever knew like grandpa as a grandfather, but yeah. this is grandpa as someone who's the age I am currently now. So I'd be interested to hear how you would de uh, describe him. Well, he was, he was a young farmer. His father had passed away <clears throat> before he went on his mission. And, uh, had left him with, with the responsibility of the farm work. And he was, he was uh, used to being, what am I trying to say? He was used to being in charge. His, uh, his family he just, he had been the one taking care of the farm, seeing to it, to the putting in the crops and harvesting them and things like that before he went on his mission and had been home from his mission now for a few months and had been doing that again this, this, uh, at this time. So he was <coughs> self-assured and <clears throat> Full of, full of enthusiasm. <coughs> Excuse me. And he was very, very religious. He enjoyed just having a gospel conversation with his date. <laughs> And that that was it. That was fine with me because I was too. But uh, um, I was really, I was really, I just was pleased with him. I guess in in mainly in every way, and I learned that he. <clears throat> I learned that he was brother to my high school friend's husband so which I had known before that <clears throat> and they anyway I thought it was worth I thought it was worth some more interest and he made a date with me for just a few days later and and uh, we went out again well then i had to go to i had to go back to provo for my graduation exercises from the BYU I invited him to come and watch me graduate, but he was a little diffident about that. Didn't feel like that maybe he belonged at that place at, at this stage of our, of our relationship. So he declined. 
but uh, <clears throat> he he took another girl out on that weekend while I was gone and I met my my previous interest up at up at school and we each decided that that was the end of previous interest <laughs> when when we came back <clears throat> we were steady steady dating from that time forward so it sounds like you guys had a had a weekend with your old flames and decided nope i like the new one better and much uh, better <laughs> much better so i wanted i wanted to read to you just a little bit from his description he wrote a nice uh, description of the is that his journal that you're holding well it's it's called a book of remembrance <coughs> it's got a lot of favorite things in it that that we put together to to remember our life We never did go with others after that, but kept dating at least twice a week. I considered every date an honor and a privilege, knowing that I had never known anyone like this before. Our lives and our ideals seemed to parallel each other in many respects, which brought us even closer together. I remember one night we told each other the story of our lives, stressing our religious and dating experiences. We delighted and rejoiced in finding that we had both lived morally clean. We thrilled with our high ideals of raising a large family in the church. We both believed in accepting all the callings in the church, which was exemplified in the fact that Arta Jean was a Sunday school teacher, MIA drama director, along with teaching a class in MIA and leading a fireside. While I was second counselor in the Sunday school superintendency, scoutmaster, teacher in the elders quorum, and teacher in a teacher training class. <laughs> I, told, I told my brother Garn, she was a wonderful girl and he said tell me is there anything about that girl you don't like i said no so and that just kind of a sweet little description of how he felt about about our relationship and and we did date steadily from then on and we thought we might get married on, at the end of summer, on the 10th of September, we picked out a date. And we had just decided this in our own minds. <clears throat> Hadn't really talked it over with anybody else yet, but, but uh, this happened to be, one of the reasons I picked that date, it happened to be my parents' wedding anniversary. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and so I thought that would be just a lovely time to get married. Well, then we were together with her, his sister, Verna, and her fiance, who was attending the Utah State at, at uh, Logan. And they, they were planning a wedding and we were just in a family a family association together there for a few minutes and they said well we picked out our wedding day we're going to get married on the 10th of september donna and i looked at each other well <laughs> we talked that over privately later and decided that maybe we let them just have 
we'd let them just have their time since that's the day they had picked out and we wouldn't bother trying to get in on the same day. So we just waited and then a little while later we decided on the first we thought, well, we knew he was going to go into the army. He, he had decided that he wanted to um, serve his country and, and had been um, deferred because he was the, because he was a farmer and farmers were considered essential businesses. So they had deferred him and hadn't drafted him into the army, but, but in his heart, he felt like he wanted to serve in the army and the war. They were still drafting, even though the Korean war was about ending, it was kind of winding down at that time. So he, we thought about maybe waiting until he finished basic training and uh, then starting our, getting our, having our wedding at that time, which would be in, in January. And then one night when he came to pick me up, he said, I don't want to wait. I want to get married now. <laughs> so I said, well, let's see what we can do about it. And we decided on getting married on the 8th of October and which we which was two weeks away. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's what we did. We just quickly put together wedding plans. And I made a wedding dress. And did you sew it yourself? Is that what you mean? Yeah, mo mostly I, I was still working. So I only had afternoons and evenings to to work on it so i was trying to get it all to get it all together and get it all finished and one day i came home from work and uh, my mother said i hope it's all right with you i found a lady in the ward who does um, sewing and she's going to finish your dress for you I had most, I had it, I had it designed, I designed it myself and I had it mostly, mostly sewn, but she finished it up for me, which was a great relief because it was getting close to the day and I was, had a lot of other things on my mind. I was trying to put together a wedding and, and she finished, she just finished it. She just did the, did the last portion of it and so anyway that was a big help from my mother and and my parents were real jewels because they were very busily occupied in their in their church work and had a lot of commitments coming up but they said if you wanted if you want to do this we'll help you get it done so we arranged to use the church house for our, for our reception. And I don't think in those days we had to have an appointment at the temple like they do nowadays. But, but anyway, we went to the temple on the day of and we're married by the, the son of the president of the temple was, was named President Anderson. And his father had been the president of the Manti temple before that and had actually performed the wedding for Don's father and mother. So I thought that was kind of an interesting circumstance that 
that our officiator was the son of the officiator who mar married Don's parents. Anyway, we, we, on the way after the wedding, that was such a beautiful time. I have a hard time talking about it and I have a hard time going past it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the temple wedding was, was fantastic. It was precious and beautiful. We went up in the, uh, in the mountains on the way home being October and we gathered beautiful red leaves and we brought them home with us and put them in the church house to be the decorations because we didn't have any money and we didn't have any uh, time to make beautiful decorations. So we had these beautiful autumn leaves it was a fall themed wedding with authentic decorations. Absolutely. <laughs> well put. <laughs> I should tell you a little bit about how our courtship proceeded because Don thought it was such a fun thing that that happened along the way. The um, People in the in the wards seemed to be looking for for return missionaries to speak in their sacrament meetings, and so so we got a we got an invitation to to talk in the we were invited by the high counselor in his ward to speak over in Salina at, at a, a ward meeting. And we were given the assignment to, to talk on the subject of soil conservation. Well, that's an interesting topic for a sacrament meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I've ever been to a sacrament meeting a <laughs> topic, but I guess, you know, you gotta tailor it to the needs of the congregation. <laughs> That was our assignment and and we he invited he invited me to share they just invited him to come and speak and he invited me to to share his time that he was allotted so we were the only speakers in the meeting so I wasn't taking anybody else's time but anyway I gave him a, I, I gave a nice uh, talk about starting with Adam and Eve and how they were, how they were expelled from the garden, but they were required to, to uh, work by the sweat of their brow and earn their food that way. And so I talked about them being the first soil conservationists <laughs> in the history of mankind. <laughs> and Don, Don thought that my talk was the most amazing talk he'd ever heard. So that, of course, prompted his interest even more. He thought, man, this woman really knows how to, how to <laughs> teach me about soil conservation. I'm, I am, I'm enamored. <laughs> Exactly. Anyway, that was just the beginning. We got invited to talk in sacrament meeting in probably, I'd say about six or seven wards. Well, they heard they heard the news. And <laughs> you, you went on your soil conservation grand tour. <laughs> it was it was kind of an interesting thing. And then and then we began dating in the temple before we actually were married. 
like doing ceilings for the dead? We did that and we did uh, endowments and so on, just regular temple work. Went to the, we went to the temple quite a few times during the, during those, during the summer. And then they started asking us, well, have you come to get married this time? <laughs> well, no, but we're thinking of it. <laughs> and this was the Manti temple? Yeah. So did grandpa yeah. or you, Go ahead. sorry, what was the proposal like? It sounds like you just sort of talked about it and agreed on a date. Was there ever a down on one knee, will you marry me moment? Well, not really. <laughs> But we had an experience that Don got quite a quite a kick out of, and uh, he used to tell he used to tell it to our family members from time to time how he had finally decided that he was really going to propose to me, and. And unbeknownst to me, had the ring in his pocket when it came that night. But that same day, this silly thing had happened. I came home from, from work in the afternoon. And my mother, who usually wasn't participating in practical jokes. My father was all the time. That was his one of his things that he loved to do. But my mother approached me and she said, well, um, he called um, uh, and, and uh, he wanted me to, to give you this. And she produces a, a little cheap ring that looked like a diamond ring, but it was just a, what, what we used to call when I was a kid, we used to call it, it's not a diamond, it's a dime one, it's meaning dime that it only cost a dime. <laughs> anyway, she produced this ring, so I went along with the joke, and I, I said, oh, that's so nice, I'm so glad you, that you did this and so I put the ring on well it was just a little bit too small for me and I couldn't get it off and when he came when the real he came with a real ring in his pocket real ring in his pocket and not me not knowing that this was the night I was in the bathroom soaping my hand and trying to get that little dime one off of my off of my finger because I didn't want to embarrass him by having it, having it on but I still I did not know that this was the night anyway anyway that's just prelude to to the rest of the evening we went on our date and and he came in the house with me afterwards and we were in the living room and he's trying to get up courage to say these things that he was gonna say. When my little brother, Paul, who was a, at this time he was a senior in high school and he'd been out on a date, he came home, he brings in the newspaper and sits down right where we were and proceeds to read the funnies. <laughs> and so here's poor Don. He's got the ring burning a hole in his pocket. Little brother is staying here and staying here and staying here. And he can't get the, he can't figure out how he's going to do this and get me by myself again so that he can propose. <laughs> So anyway, finally, finally, Paul gets done with whatever he's doing and decides to go to bed. So he leaves and Don 
is not waiting for anything else to just delay him. He reaches in his pocket, pulls out this ring case. He says, here, I've got something for you. And I, I just teased him the rest of our days about the fact that that was a proposal. <laughs> I've got something for you. <laughs> so just to insert here, on our 40th wedding anniversary, 40, 40 years after our wedding, it happened to be the day that our youngest daughter, Ruth, was being So it happened to be the day that Rachel's intended, wanted to ask her father, not Rachel, Ruth, Ruth's intended, wanted to ask her father for her hand in marriage. It was our 40th wedding anniversary. We were taking everybody, all the family couples, all the couples in the family up to the roof to eat dinner together and the Joseph Smith Memorial building. Oh, I mean, it was a big day. All these things were going on at the same time. We all, Ruth and, Ruth and Jeff took us off to the side in the Joseph Smith Memorial building, told us their intentions and wanted permission for Jeffrey to marry her, our daughter. We are on the in the mezzanine. We are on the main floor of the Joseph Smith building, having this serious conversation. All our kids, the rest of our family members, and siblings and their partners, had congregated in the mezzanine, and they were watching this take place over the balcony. And so here's this, here's this important thing going on. And after we'd all agreed that this was a good match and that Ruth and Jeff ought to get married and all of this, you know, then they all started clapping because they were all watching and we didn't <laughs> know until, until that moment. <laughs> so then, we all are, we're all in this, in this uh, time of great immensity and we all go upstairs to the, to the restaurant and we're in a place where we're looking over the temple. The, you can see the lighted temple right out that window and it's a very beautiful sight. And everybody is saying, you know, this is a wonderful place to propose. So each of them, each of them was saying, you have to get on your knees and you have to propose to me in this lovely site, like Ruth and Jeff are doing and so on. So I said to Don, well, you know, you never did properly propose to me in all <laughs> all those years ago, 40 years before. So along with, along with all the others, he got on his knees and proposed to me. <laughs> and each of, the, each of the siblings did the same thing. So it was kind of a, I guess nobody else ever had a proposal quite like that where they got proposed to along with eight children and their spouses <laughs> all got proposed at the same time. It was quite a, quite a jovial So after, after 40 happy years of marriage, he finally proposed. He finally proposed in a very proper manner. <laughs> That's so good. I love that. So how long did you have with grandpa 
after you got married, but before he went to, went off to training? Well, that was one of the reasons that we decided to do it so quickly because, because he had, he had his call already. I mean, his assignment already to come to the army and we knew he had to go in December. And so we thought maybe we would like to have a little time together before he left. So we got married on the 8th of October and he went into the service the first week of December, I believe it was. Anyway. So a little about a little like two months. Yeah. Some somewhere around three months, like two or three around, months. No, somewhere around six weeks we had together. I don't remember the dates. Anyway, something like that. So we didn't have a we didn't really have a honeymoon. We we went down to Zion Canyon over the weekend after we got married, and that was I guess our honeymoon, but it was only two or three days long. And then we went, then we just resumed our regular daily lives. I went back to my job and he went back to his farming job. And he was raising pigs at the time. <laughs> and then After, did you guys have a place you lived together at this point, or did you go back to your? No, we did. We had an apartment that we had rented um, in Sigurd, and and he had a lot of this and that that had to be done to take take care of things so that he could get ready to leave the farm. So it was a really busy time for us both, and I was still working. And, but we did have some time together and then, and then he went for basic training. And so I let our apartment go and, and moved home with my parents for that period of time while he was in basic training. And then we had this, we had this amazing Christmas time, my brother Carl was in the army and had been deployed to Korea while the fighting was still on. And he had been wounded on Port Chop Hill. That was a famous battle. They even had a movie about it later on, but Then he had he had been taken out of the out of the battle area when he got when he got the shrapnel in his back in his shoulder and and they had taken him first to a, an army hospital and then over to Japan for recuperation and he had been in Japan for about. I think about three months or so. And during this, this was during the time that I had gotten married and my dad was a little sad about Christmas time because my husband was gone and Carl was gone and we didn't have any, it was just, it was just a quiet time. And he was a little sad about Christmas time. And he said, well, let's, let's go drive up in the hills and get us a Christmas tree. He said one day and he, he's, so I was gonna, mother and I were gonna go with him and 
So we we were re we were ready to go looking for a Christmas tree, and he said he was going to drive down to the post office and get pick up the mail, and then he'd then he'd be back. And when he came back, he just drove fast into the driveway, slammed on his brakes, jumped out of the car, and started jumping up and down. He said, Carl's going to be home for Christmas. Carl's going to be home for Christmas. My dad was so excited and so happy about it, and he could hardly stand it. And so we all rejoiced and we got in the we got in the car and drove up in the mountains and dad picked out a tree 10 feet tall he was so happy when he would go in our house <laughs> but we got we got ready at that time i still thought that don was going to have a furlough for for Christmas and he'd be home for Christmas too. So we were, we got the house all decorated and ready for Christmas and put the decorations on the tree and got everything and then proceeded to wait. And days went by and Christmas was almost there. And I got word that Don couldn't come home. He wouldn't, wasn't getting a furlough for Christmas after all. So I didn't know when he'd be, when he'd be through and be coming home for his furlough, for his time after basic. We didn't, weren't hearing any more from Carl. Christmas came. I woke up. Christmas morning, the house was totally deserted and still. My parents had gone off to visit somebody in the neighborhood and nobody was there. Nobody to open Christmas presents, nobody to sing carols, nobody did anything. I was all by myself. And Christmas came and went, and we decided just to not open the presents because we kept thinking the boys will be home. They'll be here any time now, and eventually they did. A couple of weeks later or so, <laughs> <laughs> we had Christmas when the boys came home. So this that was January. Like, yeah, sometime in January. And then when after it, after Don had his, after Don had his furlough and Carl had his furlough, why then Carl was going to be released and they were going to let him loose and he was interested in getting married and he was, he was busy courting my former missionary companion, Sybil Hatterley. And she was teaching school up in Idaho, so he was keeping the roads hot between Sigurd and Idaho because he wanted to spend time with her. That is a long drive. I, <laughs> a long drive, as you know. <laughs> I Yeah, I, when I was going to school in Idaho, that was a drive I took many times, and so yeah. I commend him. Yeah, so they were, they were busily making their plans to for their upcoming wedding, which would be at the end of the school year, so that so they could so that they could be married. And Don was getting ready to go back to uh, Fort Ord in California, and so. At that time, they would allow him to live off base during basic training. They wouldn't, but at that time, they would allow him to live off base. And so I was 
I, I gave notice at my job and told him that I was going to go with my husband and so on. We had the funniest apartment when we lived in Pacific Grove, which is just outside of Fort Ord, California. I figured it out later that they just, that everybody had just, the, the, the camp was bustling with new inductees and there was a lot of young marrieds that wanted to be together. And so the people in the community had just converted extra bedrooms rooms that they could rent out in their in their home even their garage which is where we lived made it into an apartment so that they could house the the house the the young soldiers and the make a little money at the same time so you were living in someone's garage. Someone's garage, and they had they had converted it to a sort of an apartment, but it was the funniest little place that anybody's ever heard of. It had we had three couples living. They had split this garage area into into three tiny bedrooms and one small kitchenette, which didn't really have a stove. It had a refrigerator, it had a hot plate on the table. So we could cook a little something on the hot plate. I don't even think they have hot plates nowadays, but it was a just, you could plug it in and it was just a, a, a flat plate that would get hot and you could put a, a pan on it and boil some eggs or or cook some french toast or something <laughs> you could heat up a can of soup that was that was our stove and i think we had a small refrigerator i can't even remember that but we must have had a place to keep milk And then the, these three bedrooms that were just crowded into this garage area, I remember that there was barely room to walk for the side of our bed and maybe a place for our suitcases. I don't even think, I don't know that it even had a closet. <laughs> anyway, we had this three, couple, three couples of us lived in this. But the funniest thing about the whole thing was the bathroom. To get to the bathroom, we had to go through another couple's bedroom. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a setup. How long did you live like live in, in that in the garage apartment? Oh, probably. I think probably two months. I'm not sure. But now, but probably two months while he was he was taking cook school and so while he was while he was training i have to finish telling you about the bathroom because it was so awful <laughs> they, <laughs> we we had to pass through two doors to get to the bathroom itself the one that came out of their bedroom and then through another, there was like a little, I guess it was supposed to be a little dressing room. I don't know what it was for, just a little entry area into the, into the bathroom, which then had a, a sink there where you could like wash your hands. Then there was another door in between there 
and where the commode area was. And then after the commode, there was the shower. So you had to kind of climb over the commode to get into the shower. And when you turned the shower on, it showered on the toilet as well as the as well as in the room in the area. So this was the strangest place I ever heard of any of people in a civilized nation living in. <laughs> uh, sounds like sounds like a very memorable experience. So after after Grandpa graduated from Cook School, um, where did you guys go? Well. When he, I just have to mention a couple of things. When, while he was while he was taking taking training, we had some weekends that we could go somewhere. And my, we had sisters living in Northern California. We went on the bus up to. I I stayed with my sister while. She had a new baby. That was one few days that, that I was up there in, in the, the San Francisco area. And then his sisters, he had two sisters that were living in the Oakland area. And we got acquainted with them by going, going over there and, and visiting with them. So that was, I was happy to get acquainted with his with his sisters and my sister took me walking over in Muir Woods, beautiful state park, lovely area. I remember that as one of the things that we did, that I did with her. Then when, then when we were done with that, the army when we were done with his training, the oh, I didn't tell you that I used to sit on the on the beach. I loved that area. We were there about two months, and it was like a honeymoon. Such a beautiful area, because we were right on the ocean. We could walk down to the beach, and and uh, we did that quite a bit and stroll on the beach. And we'd drive. We would take the bus over to Monterey and Carmel, which are tourist towns and that, that was fun. This was kind of a nice time for us. I considered that our, our real honeymoon that, that we had. And while he, was, while he was in school, I would go to the library and get books. And then I would go and sit on the beach and read books. And so that, that, was, just a, that was just a, a, nice, a nice time and a, and a pleasant uh, experience in spite of the funny bathroom that we <laughs> that we shared with everybody else. Anyway, the then the army moved him down to South Carolina. And so I I traveled by Greyhound bus back to back to Utah and stayed with my parents again for a little while, a couple of weeks or so, while Don got settled in in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And then he, he found us a place to live and arranged that for us. And when he had that already, then, then I came to, uh, then I took the bus all the way across the United States. Oh my God took about three days to travel across the United States by Greyhound bus. That didn't include any anything but riding time. We didn't stop anywhere, <laughs> just riding, riding, riding. But we finally, I finally got there, met my darling husband again and and we had a we had a an apartment um, in the home of a, a member of the church there. 
And then he, he was uh, working in Fort Jackson and he was a cook. And I don't know why they had this sign outside of the gate of Fort Jackson, but they had the sign there that said the finest food in Colombia. <laughs> so I took his picture in his in his uh, cook's uniform, which was just white like scrubs like a doctor uses, a white uniform and a little hat that he wore on his head that indicated that he was a cook. So I thought if this, if they're having the finest food in Colombia and they have a sign up that says that, why then I can, I can uh, advertise that too. So I have that cute little picture of him standing there by the sign. Finest well, food in Colombia. That's fantastic. And, and I don't think I ever asked, what year were you guys married? Oh, this was 1953. We were married on the 8th of October in 1953. And so it was in 1954 that I went, went to South Carolina where he, where he was. And uh, we got acquainted with the people in the ward there. This was a this was a fun time. Everything we were doing was a great adventure. This was a fun time and we met the people in the ward. And here again, this was a small ward and they were happy to have active members of the church come and be there for a while. And, and they gave us assignments and I was in the young women's presidency and he was he he had assignment as a a home teacher and an assignment in the elders quorum he taught them sometimes and like that so we had things we had to do and one day he said you know he said i need a car it's just not convenient to have to catch the bus and drive, go back and forth to, to work out at, to, at Fort Jackson. So I said, well, how much money do you need to get a car? And he told me $300 would be a good car. And I said, well, you know what? I have $300 in my savings account that I've been saving up for a good purpose. And I think that that's, so he was quite surprised that I could produce enough money to get us a little car, that, a used car that he could use to drive back and forth. And then we also used it to drive around and do our church work. He was assigned to go visit people. And then sometimes we went around to other wards and, It was a it was a it was a good time. We got acquainted with all those people, and they were nice to us, and, and we loved them. And I could not believe how friendly the people in South Carolina were. They were wonderfully friendly people, and we enjoyed them a lot. I could also not believe how hot it was down there. Yeah. It became summer and I became pregnant and I just thought I would die. I thought maybe it will cool off when it when it gets evening. But it didn't. It would be as hot at ten o'clock at night as it was at ten o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it was it was so miserable for me that we were doing all these other things and I survived it and I lived through it and our 
pretty little baby was born on the 20th of February. That's my mom. 1955. So grandma, as we wind down this conversation, um, my very last question for you is, what advice do you have for engaged and newlywed couples? I have a bit of advice for newlyweds, engaged couples. I have advice for everybody and it's the same advice. Enjoy life where you are and while you're in it. Enjoy life. Don't wait for something to take place that will suddenly make you happy. Be happy wherever you are and in whatever circumstances you're in. Because they go, first of all, time goes by so fast. Your circumstance will not last. Enjoy it while you're in it and enjoy it while you're going through it because there's always joy to be had. And that is, that's just good advice for everybody. Just love life. Live, love, laugh, love. <laughs> Enjoy life where you are and while you're in it. I love that. Exactly. Well, Grandma, thank you for sharing this conversation today. I love you very much. Thank you, Jonathan. I love you very much. I'm so happy that we had that little darling baby and she's and she had a whole string of darling babies and one of them is you. <laughs> Me too. I am very grateful for that, those events. Bye-bye, Grandma. Bye. Thank